Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Well, what a different morning this has been already. But if you brought a Bible, I want you to open it up to one singular passage. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to grab a handful of verses. Now, that won't be the only scriptures we look at, but that's our main text this morning. And, uh, and so that'll be very, very important. Um, we're in a brand new series. We just started it last week called Living an Empowered Life. And if there's a subtitle underneath, it would be Understanding the Importance of the Person and the Power of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. In case you walked right by them last week and this week, uh, we have these little study books. They're absolutely for free. Uh, for those of you that like to, to follow along or maybe want to look a little bit deeper into something that was said later, you'll find everything that you're looking for here, I think, I hope, but this is a fairly comprehensive study. And this is book number one in the first four uh, lessons that we're in, and so we're going to be in lesson number two today. But last week, we talked about the importance of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit being so significant that Jesus literally commanded his disciples, whatever you do, don't leave home without it. And of course, that's kind of a, you know, a phrase for today, but that's exactly what he was, he was saying. He's saying, listen, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for it, and then from that point on, you don't go anywhere or do anything just in your own strength. You need the person and the power of the Holy Spirit if you're going to live the way Jesus taught to live. And we're not just talking about ministry stuff. We're talking about everything from your own personal life all the way out through your marriages and your family and your finances. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live beyond our natural abilities. And that's what the promise is. And, uh, and I told you last week, we took a, a little extra time because we were rolling out the beginning of this series. Uh, as soon as we talk about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, especially the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care where you're at, you got three, maybe four groups of people. The first group of people's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit cautious, like, ah, I've heard about this stuff before, or I've had some bad experiences before, or that just seems really weird to me. And by the way, uh, I get that. And so I want you to know throughout this series, I'm super sensitive to that, and we're going to be watching it. There's another group here that is on the other side of that spectrum, and they're like, okay, here we go. We're finally there. Let's get this go thing going. And, and I'm like, hooray for that group, but there's a whole, uh, whole context in the Bible about being sensitive and about let's do this as a family, and so we have to make sure that we're measured and we're being very intentional. But the other group is right in the middle, and, and I don't know which group, honestly, that I'm, I'm more thinking about and praying for uh, and conscious of as we're walking through here, but the group in the middle is kind of those Christians like, yeah, we, we know that's important and we know that's good. Uh, but I think we're okay right here. In fact, some of you have actually been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might even have a prayer language. And so you get that stuff, right? But you're like, ah, I, I don't know if I really need more. I, I think I'm good right here. You know, that just gets messy and it's kind of confusing. And I don't really know if I'm really into that. And, and the only challenge we have, and we went over it thoroughly last week, is we have to get past some really key things that Jesus said. Two of them were in the Great Commission, where again, he commanded, it was in the imperative tense, not only for us to be able to understand it, but for us to study it so that we could explain it to somebody else in some detail. Not that you have to be theologians, but you at least need to explain the basics of how this works in the life of a Christian because you can't escape, especially in the New Testament, living a life that has supernatural authentication, supernatural things that are going on. I don't always mean spectacular. We're not talking about light, you know, lightning bolts from your fingers and, and that kind of stuff. We're talking about things that allow you to keep moving forward beyond your natural ability. And a lot of those are unnoticed to, to, you know, to people that are looking from the outside, but over a period of time, and what you keep seeing from the inside out is, man, we didn't know how we were going to do that, and all of a sudden, God just helped us. That's supernatural. That's beyond your natural ability. Sometimes you might say, ah, that just kind of seemed coincidence. 
But if you're a Christian and you keep looking at it, it's like, okay, then I have an awful lot of coincidences that happen in my life. And they're predictable, by the way, because I'm pointing to what the Bible promised. And wow, what a coincidence. It happened just the way that God said. See, the Bible says that's what authenticates you as a New Testament follower of Christ. And Jesus commanded that we at least have to understand it to the point where we can explain it to others. Now, he didn't command you have to participate. That's like salvation and everything else. You get to choose. But he did command that we are being taught and we're talking about this stuff to the point we understand it so that you get to choose then where do you jump in and then that's between you and the Lord. So listen, whether you're, you're from the cautious group or you're from the super excited group or you're somewhere in the middle, listen, this is a perfect study for you because I promised you last week and I'm probably gonna keep rehearsing this every week, certainly at key studies, I'm never going to put you in an awkward position here. Never one time will you feel like you're being pressured or manipulated to do something or believe something that you're not ready to do and to believe. And let me tell you why I'm super convicted about that. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to convince and to walk with you and teach you and lead you into the truth. My job is to help you to get through the scriptures and help you to understand what the Bible's saying so that you can begin to hear from him and then you can make your own decision. So this is the perfect place, even to the point we may get done with this study and you're like, well, that didn't move me at all. I'm still in the same group. Okay, but at least you're way more clear about why you're in that group than you were before. And you're not in that group because you got weirded out by somebody or you're a little bit you know, afraid because of what somebody said or you're not in that group because ah, it's just too confusing and messy. Not anymore. Because you understand what the scriptures say. So th this is, we're doing exactly what Jesus commanded and there's a blessing just for following through and for us jumping in and trying to uh, sort out the scriptures. All right, so last week, right away, we just realized that this whole person in power of the Holy Spirit is extremely relevant today. It's not just religious, it's not just spiritual, it's like everyday nitty gritty life. And we realized that because we went to Luke chapter four when Jesus stood up one day and read the scroll of Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me, and he listed six areas. And we went through those six areas, and we found out they could not be more relevant for our life today. We need the Holy Spirit in very practical, everyday scenarios, some of them that uh, people that never see. But we live with it all the time. We need him to heal. We need him to, to restore. We need him to refresh, to realign, to give insight, to give understanding. And we know that we need that because if you'll stop and just kind of connect the dots, that's exactly what you're praying for. Exactly. Lord, help me today. Lord, Lord, Lord uh, heal me today. Lord, give me wisdom today. You're, you're asking for this. And Jesus promised it and said, yeah, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit uh, has promised us to do. So we know that this is important for us to study. We know why Jesus commanded it. It's not just religion. It's definitely just relationship and relevant to our everyday life. And the other thing we did last week, and then we're going to head right to the study, is we, we said about a... Uh, something that'll be very practical and very useful. And we said about a prayer march. So here's what we're doing. Every week, you got those booklets. Every week, there's a key scripture. And the scripture is for you to memorize. The scripture is for you to think about. We're getting God's word into our heart. We're trying to start gathering some insights and truths about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So most of them are little short scriptures that you shouldn't have any problem committing to memory. But we're gonna take those scriptures every week. And my challenge to you is that you make that a key prayer point. So every week you are taking that key scripture and you're personalizing it and you're inviting the Holy Spirit to come and do what that scripture promises he will do in your life, in the life of your family, and in the life of your church. And this is really important because there's multiple wins the Bible teaches out of us. Proverbs chapter 18 says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. And if you will choose wisely the words that you say, then the Bible says you'll eat the benefit or the fruit of those particular words. Well, over and over in the Bible, we're told, we're told listen, we need to be putting ourselves in agreement and saying what God said. 
And when God says, this is what I want to do for you, then for our prayer to be, okay, Lord, you promised this is what you want to do, so we're asking you today, Lord, do this in my life, do this in the life of my family, do this in the life of our church. Listen, God listens to those prayers. And we're, we're even challenging you to say, yeah, but we just don't have time for that. 90 seconds tops. And that's if you decide to elaborate. 90 seconds. So you can set your smart devices and help to remind you during the day, whatever your interval is. Some people are doing it every hour on the hour. Some people are doing it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some people are doing it, uh, you know, at di- different times. But whatever your intervals are, 90 seconds, I'm telling you, to get the word of God coming out of your mouth to remind yourself what we're studying and let the Holy Spirit speak, speak fresh. God's listening. These are legitimate prayers if you're praying them from your heart and in faith. In fact, here's what I thought we'd do this morning and then we'll launch into the study, I promise. Let's, let's just kind of for the last time this week, for those of you that are participating, let's do this as a group. So we're gonna read last week's key scripture. Then we're gonna say, this is just a sample prayer that I put together. We're gonna all quote this together. We'll read it from the screen. And then we're going to do the same thing with this week's scripture, and we're going to quote it from the screen. So for those of you that are not used to this, or maybe you're kind of new here, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to keep you talking all service. I'll do most of that for you, all right? But for this time, I need you to engage your voice, and let's read together from the screen. We're going to get God's word coming out of our mouth, because I'm telling you, this is really important and really powerful, a principle that we can learn. So last week's scripture... Uh, There we go. Last week's scripture was from Acts chapter 1, the first part of verse 8. And and let's all read this together. It's on the screen. Ready? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that, that was the promise. When the Holy Spirit comes, that we'll receive power. And so let's go to the sample prayer now. We could have been praying this all week. Not too late. You can still pray. Let's all say this together as a prayer from our heart. Ready? Holy Spirit, I invite you to empower my life, my family's life, and the life of my church. In Jesus' name, amen. Powerful prayer. Powerful, I'm telling you. For some of you to begin to catch this principle and apply that to areas of your life instead of just constantly thinking about the challenge and, oh my gosh, what are we going to do and how are we going to get out of this, to set regular intervals and to begin to get God's word coming out of your mouth. This is not me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This stuff works. It'll start with your own heart and mind and begin to change your perspective to line up with what God wants to do. It'll build faith and then it'll release that coming out of your mouth and the Bible said God responds to that. All right, let's move to this week then. This week's scripture is, uh, is 2 Corinthians 3.17, and let's all read this together. Ready? For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, we're gonna, I'm telling you, if you understand that verse, wait till you get to the end of the, of the study today. You're going to understand it like you never have, and you'll be really excited to pray this. But let's pray this sample prayer just to get us started. Everybody praying together. Ready? Holy Spirit, I declare you as Lord, and I ask you to bring freedom to my life, to my family's life, and to the life of my church. In Jesus' name, amen. For those that were keeping the kind of the stopwatch, listen to me, 90 seconds was a long time. You had lots of seconds left. You could be specific about that whatever you want, but 90 seconds, I'm telling you, is a worthwhile investment as many times you're willing to do it uh, for the day. Very, very important. Okay, so today we're going to talk then specifically about the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And let me just kind of create the scenario where we're at in Christendom at large. This is not a secret, by the way, and it's not disputed at all. Uh, There's a lot of Christians that are familiar with God the, the Father, totally know what he is, are comfortable with his, with his uh, kind of his persona uh, as the heavenly father, and, and whether you had a bad father or a good father, everybody knows what they want a father to be, and so this one seems to be e- easily related to. Not only that, but they're also pretty in tune with Jesus, the son or the savior, at least at a real generic level. Now, a lot of Christians don't understand what all that really meant and what Jesus really did, but at least they know, you know, they would pass that on a quiz, you know, who's Jesus? Well, he's the son and he's the savior, but those same people almost know nothing about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying they couldn't pass that same quiz and identify him. Well, yeah, he's the third part of the Trinity. We get that part, but in the same breath, those people start referencing him as an it, 
Well, he's, he's a power. And you know it because they'll say, you know, I don't know, I was just in church and something just came over me. Or I just felt something. And, and they don't connect the dots. It's like, no, you don't, you don't feel a thing. You're feeling a presence. You're feeling a person. And it's really important that we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit that theologians over, over centuries have helped us to do with God the Father and God and Jesus the Son to begin to get some relational understanding, to begin to recognize we're not talking about a mysterious force, we're talking about the third person of the Godhead. And that person comes to live in our life. In fact, we're going to see today, he literally came to replace Jesus because Jesus was going back to the Heavenly Father. But he said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. The third person of the Trinity, my insert, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to step right into my shoes. And it's important we begin to let him kind of take shape, take form in our life as a person of the Trinity, not as a thing. Because that, that'll give a lot of context to Scripture and help us to begin to understand. All right, so here's what we're going to do today. For the rest of the study, we're going to begin looking at and, and building context. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does it mean uh, when the Bible introduces him? And then right at the end, after we build all this context, right at the end, I'm going to give you five truths. You'll know that we're landing the plane, five truths. But listen, it's going to be a quick descent. Once we get to those five truths, they'll almost fall into place. Very little insight needs to be done. You'll just say, okay, now all this makes sense. And you're going to be able to see the Holy Spirit maybe like you've never seen him before. And I, my prayer is that it will inspire you to be, to be able to move close. Well, back to the people that really don't know about the Holy Spirit. First of all, if you're one of those, I don't mean to imply at all that there's any irreverence or disrespect. That's not true. I'm not saying that you, that you love the Holy Spirit or you give worship and adoration to the Holy Spirit less than you do the, uh, the other members of the Godhead. What I'm saying is because you really don't know him, you kind of live in this mystique. You kind of live somewhere between, ah, yeah, I, I don't really know, you know, I just, I just know what it feels like or I know what I'm sensing, and, but I don't really know about it and, or, or you're maybe not interested or you're super cautious about it and it's because you, you don't have a clear understanding. But in the New Testament, here's what the New Testament teaches clearly and what we'll be writing as a theme uh, as, for the study is that after your, your salvation, after your relationship with Jesus as Lord, a relationship with the Holy Spirit is the number one priority for the rest of the time that you live in your Christian life. The rest of the time. And, and I know we talk a lot about, oh, we want to be like Jesus, we want to get closer to Jesus, and we'll start seeing how that relationship works. But I'm just telling you, we're going to see from Scripture, once you get saved, a personal and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit becomes the number one priority. In fact, listen to what Jack Hayford said. Uh, Dr. Jack Hayford said, salvation is for your eternal life, but a relationship with the Holy Spirit is for the shaping and maturing of your internal life. And that's absolutely important. And when you begin to realize that the Holy Spirit, he's God, and, and he, he needs to be reverenced as God, but he comes to be a life coach. He comes to, to be a teacher, a tutor, a counselor. He comes to help you to mature, to move along the life that God's planned for you so you can experience everything that God promised he would. And if we understand him as a person, someone who's come to live in us and with us, when you begin to understand that, you'll treat him much differently. All right, so the first thing we, we have to understand, we're going to look at five different insights. We're going to get to those, but we have to sort some things out in the New Testament that a lot of Christians don't know how to or bother to sort it out. We have to understand, first of all, the lordship of the Holy Spirit. And so 2 Corinthians 3.17, we've always already read it for the prayer, but listen to this. It says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now, even if you're just listening or you're reading that scripture casually, you might think, okay, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. The Lord is the Spirit because I thought Jesus was Lord. Don't we say that all the time? Doesn't the New Testament say that? Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Then why is Paul saying that the, that the Lord is the Holy Spirit? And it would help if you would understand the meaning of the word Lord is the word kurios in the Greek, and it literally means to be the master or the owner or the one having authority. So when you back up, you look at the Bible, and the Bible says that God the Father is the sovereign owner of all of it. 
He's the originator, he's the creator, and he has the, the supreme authority over all of it. However, the Bible also says that God is triune, three persons, right? Three person, one God, that's how it is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when you know this, you can get a baseline conclusion, okay, so if all three are God, and God is the Lord, then all three are Lord. Now that might seem contradictory, but stay with me just for another moment or two, and I'm gonna help you and it's gonna come crystal clear, okay? There are a number of passages in the Bible that if you're reading them, just, uh, just leaning in a little bit, you're gonna see that they're gonna mention all three parts of the Godhead, and they're gonna mention multiple roles of Lord. But if you're not reading it with this mindset, you'll just read right past it and you won't really connect the dots and you'll get like this 30,000 foot overview. That's helpful, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't really play out in how we live our Christianity. Let me show you one of those are in Acts chapter two. This is Peter preaching and he's pulling from the Old Testament uh, in, in, in a way to demonstrate what's going on as the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. This is what he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. He's in the middle of preaching. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead. So there's Jesus. And we are all witnesses of this. Now he, that's Jesus again, is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. Okay, so we have Jesus and we have God. So we have Jesus, the Son, and the Savior, and we have God, the Father. Let's keep going. And the Father, that's God, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we get the whole Trinity involved here. All three of them are at work and they're moving in the scripture and we can see that. He gave him, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, that's you and I, that's every believer since, since they were listening, standing there all the way to us, just as you see and hear him today. Listen to verse 34 now. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Now David was one of their uh, revered patriarchs. He was the one that God promised that his throne was going to stay intact in Israel forever and that there would be someone that would come and take David's throne because David would eventually pass away, and, but someone would come and take David's throne that would never pass away. And that was the Messiah, that was Jesus. So earlier in Acts chapter 2, he's talking about David and how even though Jesus came and was killed, but he rose back again, David died. And by the way, we can walk to his, his uh, memorial stone right now. His cemetery is there. David did not rise again, but David talked about the Messiah. And that's this verse. It says, and David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, now this is a messianic prophecy. The Lord, that's speaking of God, the father said to my Lord, that's David knowing that there's a coming Messiah. Sit in a place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. That promise is, is echoed over and over again in the book of Hebrews. It's, it's echoed in the Psalm. And so this is a promise that God the Father made to Jesus the Son. After he was crucified in resurrection, he invited him to come sit on the right hand of, of the Father once again. And he said, okay, now I'm going to finish this thing and I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. But David knew this hundreds of years before he caught a glimpse of God's big plan. And so he's quoting this here, verse 36. So let everyone in, in Israel know for certain that God, that's the Father, has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. So that's why we say Jesus is Lord. All right, so in this particular passage, and you, we're gonna see at least one more, there's multiple lords and multiple mentions of the Trinity. And so we see we have to read a little bit carefully to know what exactly is he talking about. And some of you right now is like, okay, hold on. That's, that's like theological stuff. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, let me bring it to a practical example to prove that you do. Most people understand this, all right? So let, let's take the same idea of multiple lords, or again, those that are in authority, and let's pull it into just a company, 
We'll say this is a small company. It's not a huge corporation necessarily, but it's a small company. And every company has the potential of having multiple employers or multiple people that are helping to run the company. There's an owner, of course, the one who started the company. Then there might be a chief operating officer. This is the one who's kind of thinking and doing all the planning and the strategy, making sure the day-to-days are going right. And then there might be a crew manager or a branch manager, someone who's actually out on the job site or where the, whatever's happening is happening, and they're making sure that everything gets played out. Here's the question. When you look at the owner and you look at the chief operating officer and you look at the crew manager or the branch manager, who's the boss? And before you quickly say, well, the owner's the boss. Well, okay, hold on. Depending on the scenario, though. Because if everybody in the company thinks the owner's the boss, then when the branch manager says something like, you're not the boss. Well, hold on. I'm definitely a boss. I'm definitely part of this company. And so we begin to understand that all of them are the boss. Depending on the situation or the scenario, they're all in sync together. Okay, let's come back to the Trinity now. When the Bible explains the Trinity and their roles, the Bible says that God the Father is the sovereign owner. He's the originator. He's the ultimate authority. But then here comes God the Son, that's Jesus, and he's the implementer of the Father's plan. That's why he was sent to die on the cross, to rise again so salvation could come, so we could all be part of God's family. But Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit then is the acting manager of the day-to-day operations of the kingdom. This is, what, this is New Testament theology. I mean, this is like 101. This is what we should be understanding so we can explain this to other people. And so when we talk about the fact that God the Father is Lord and Jesus is Lord and the Holy Spirit's the Lord, that's completely accurate and even more so when you understand the context you're in. Whatever your prayer is or whatever you're going through, you know exactly who you can be talking to and appealing to. We'll leave that for there, but let's go, let's go to the scripture now and bring this with us. That's why in 2 Corinthians it tells us that the Holy Spirit is in fact the Lord. You don't have to dispute about that. You don't have to say, well, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I hear that little nudge, but we're going to check this out with Jesus because he's the boss. Well, no, hold on. The Holy Spirit's the boss in your life. In what's going on and leading and directing your everyday situations, the Holy Spirit was sent to manage those operations. And one of the things that he's working on intently is managing our understanding of freedom. That's what 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now, this is really important that we understand the word freedom, too, because it means something different in the Bible. Let me just say this. It means something better in the Bible than it it tends to mean here in our Western civilization culture. The word freedom here comes from a really old Greek word, and it literally refers to the personification of liberty. Or, Or this is the way it would say in some of your basic Uh, your basic study books that you, you would look, it says the liberty to live as we should and not as we please. Let me break it down a little further. This is referring to not just the freedom to do, but a freedom to be. Not just a freedom of the things you can do and as opposed to what you can't do, but this is a freedom to actually be who God's called you to be. Because the New Testament teaches us that salvation is really important because when sin came into the world, every person that's born into the world is enslaved in some degree, some fashion, to their passions, to, to their sin, and that's the enemy that's luring them and trying to leverage all those things. By the way, I won't ask for a show of hands, but if we're super honest, nobody would disagree with that. Every single one of us, we knew better at times that we did what we shouldn't have done. And we're like, well, I just couldn't help it, man. Was, what is that? That, that? There's something driving you, something pulling you, something that at times seems like it's controlling you. And some people have given into that and it's formed these addictions, it's formed these, these, these bondages, these holes on their life. But it doesn't matter if you're experiencing that or not. Every single one of us have experienced this pull. However, the New Testament tells us that Christ comes to break those holes to break sin's bondage in our life, freeing us to live according to, and listen to this, to the nature we were created to live in as opposed to the sinful nature that we were birthed into. We were created in the image of God. We were born into a world infected by sin. 
And Jesus came to break those holes so that we could be free to love God with all of our heart, to love ourselves and love one another in, in, a, in a harmony there, and to do it because that's what we really want to do, not because the Bible says that we have to do that. So when we think of freedom here in, in the Western civilization, we think of, well, freedom means you have no rules. You can do whatever you want. You're free. That's not at all real freedom. Because if you're, if you're experiencing that kind of no rules and you don't have sin's bond broken over you, then you're just free to follow your passions and get deeper and deeper and deeper into your own hurt. Because there's no culture that's telling you that's wrong. I mean, there is no morality anymore, right? Whatever you think is right, that's right for you. And in that, you'll just, you'll just end up spiraling deeper and deeper into your own passion and your own sin, and it'll drive you farther and farther away from God. However, the Bible says that God has come to give you this freedom from the inside out so that you're free to be who you were really created to be and experience who God really intended for you, or, or what God really intended for you to experience. But listen, Martin Luther, way, way back, centuries ago, this is what he wrote. He was pondering these things, and he said, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And those that are writing the, graces of, great, uh, the message of grace would say, amen. See, that's what I'm talking about. Christ has set me free. I have liberty in Christ, and you know what? You're 100% correct. Nobody's arguing with that, but listen how he finished. He said, and a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject of all, and subject to all. Because he recognizes true freedom is not just doing whatever you want to do. True freedom is being able to do and to live the way you're supposed to live. And listen, you're doing that because you want to, not because you have to. Now, that's true freedom. Think about if you, if you were living that kind of life, think about how, we'll just start at the top, how would your relationship with God change? Never ashamed anymore? Never feeling guilty? Never wondering if he really wants to talk to you? Well, I know I should read my Bible and pray, but I haven't done that in so long. You know, he's probably like, yeah, right, right. Now, now you try it. And, but listen, you never experience that. You know that God loves you and that God welcomes and is excited about your presence and you're excited about his because there's no shame, there's no guilt anymore, there's no disconnection. See, that's what the Bible's trying to set us to be free so that we can have a relationship with God that the way it was meant to be. And as we begin to understand this, then all of a sudden we begin to live in a whole nother level, level of liberty and freedom. And not only are we doing things we never thought we, we were gonna be able to do, we're enjoying them. With a, with a level of, 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 of freedom, with no shame, no guilt, we're enjoying them the way God intended. Now, right about now, some of you might be thinking specifically in your life, thinking, well, then why am I not free? And this is where your workbook on page number 18 picks up, and it says, because we've got this thing, even though the Holy Spirit is the Lord of all, in many, many areas of our life, we have not given him the lordship over all. We're, we're, we're pretty selective, unintentionally, but we're pretty selective about what we want the Holy Spirit to come in uh, because we, we don't understand some of it. We don't really want to change some of it. And so, but listen, that's a primary part of the maturing process. We often think that the maturing process in Christianity is you just start growing up and you doing more of what God wants you to do. And, and that is true but we're missing the, the major part in the middle. You're growing up and you're maturing to be more vulnerable, to be more open and more honest and more pliant to the Holy Spirit so that you are being more of who you're supposed to be, which results in doing more of what you're supposed to do. That's what we looked at last week. Acts chapter one, verse eight said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. Didn't say anything about doing witnessing. Although that's, that's true too, that, that's just part of the outcome. You can't stop talking about the wonders and the goodness of God and the blessings in your life and how the Lord's really helped me. You know, I'm learning something today that, that God was helping me. I've been wrestling with this for a while because you're growing and you're maturing. And so th this is part of the, the doing is part of the being, but we flip that and we're trying to look for some kind of a task list. Well, if we did this and we did that and we didn't do this and we didn't do that, listen to me, that's not what the Holy Spirit, he wants us to be vulnerably surrendered to him so that we can understand. All right, so let me go on. It says, in, one, in fact, uh, some scholars translate verse 17 this way. Now the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit is given lordship, 
He will bring us into total freedom. All right, let's keep moving on here. In, uh, in, on page number 19 of your lookbook, it says, understanding the Holy Spirit's lordship unlocks spiritual growth. Now, we went through a passage that has multiple lords and, and multiple parts of the Trinity, and I wanted you to see that one because now we're gonna look at one that's right in the middle of what we're studying, and it'll help you to recognize the Bible shifts uh, effortlessly. I mean, with, with, without any hangups, it recognizes, well, God the Father is the boss and Jesus is the boss and the Holy Spirit's the boss, depending on the scenario. And as we begin to understand that, we can adjust too. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 again says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit is the Lord, he brings freedom. Verse 18 says, so all of us who have uh, who have had that veil removed and uh, can see and reflect. So listen, we're removing the veil this morning. Once you understand that the Holy Spirit's a person, that he's, he's Lord and he's trying to bring you into total freedom, once that is, is moved from your eyes and you're like, oh, okay, now I can see what he's trying to do. Now I can see why it's important that I'm listening to him. And these little nudges and these little things are not just suggestions. He's trying to move us into a whole nother level of life that will allow God to move in us and through us. Once the veil's been removed and we can see that, we can not only see it, we can start reflecting it. Man, our life begins to change and transform and we begin to reflect who Jesus is. And it go, notice it says, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Well, what Lord? Well, I'm gonna put the insert in there for you. Listen, the glory of the Lord, he's talking about Jesus at this point. And you'll see why in just a minute. In fact, the whole chapter's been talking about Jesus, but you'll see why in just a minute. And the Lord, now he's switched lords. Now he's talking about the Lord of, of our maturing and our growing up. That's the Holy, Holy Spirit. In fact, he says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. That's Jesus. So that's his job, is to shape our lives so that we are more and more of a reflection of, of Jesus the Son, our Savior, and that's what again then gives honor and glory to the Father, because the, the Father, uh, and the Son looks like the Father, and we're the other brothers and sisters who look like the Son, and the whole family starts coming together, and we all reflect what the family of God looks like. And this is exactly what we're supposed to understand, makes us look more and more like him, that's Jesus, as we're changed into his glorious image. So again, understanding the Holy Spirit, your Lord, removes the blindfold and helps you to realize this is really, really important. Okay, here's the last part of the lesson, and we're heading for the, the five insights. We're going to go to John chapter 14, because... When Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit was coming, unlike today, they didn't divide up into three groups. All of a sudden, it didn't get weird for them. They're like, wait, what? what? He's what? what? What is that? Is that? Because they didn't have any context for this. They were looking to Jesus as the Messiah and hard stop. That's where they stopped. And so he's saying, by the way, I have to leave. And that freaked them out. They're like, wait, What? Because we thought this thing was going to go and, and now take shape and you were going to ascend to the throne and, and be like a King David and you're going you know, to rule over Israel and we're going to be your 12 you know, top guys, like the knights of the round table kind of a thing. And so they were really shocked. But he was saying, listen, I'm going to send you someone. And he starts throwing these descriptions at them. And you can see it in John chapter 15, John chapter 16, on the chapter 17, and it shows up in the other gospels. But he starts saying, listen to me, you don't need to be worried because the one I'm sending to you, this is in your workbook, by the way, the one I'm sending to you is going to be gentle as a dove. He's going to be wise as a counselor. He's going to be this reassuring comforter, someone who comes along when you're feeling a little bit insecure, saying, that's all right, just stay, stay where you're at, I got you, everything's going to be fine, we're heading in the right direction. This loyal friend and this all-knowing guide into any and all areas of both your spiritual life and your natural life and every other part of everything you experience, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to be. And so they, they weren't tangled up like we often get. So they're just listening to Jesus and say, well, okay then. And so John 14 is where he's doing some of this introduction, and I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back through and give you five. And again, this is a quick descent, so uh, you can pay attention on page 20 of your workbooks, and you can follow along, and this will help you. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking. He said, and I will ask the Father. Here we go again. We got the Trinity involved. I will ask the Father. This is Jesus the Son asking the Father, and he will give you another advocate, and he will never leave you, which means Jesus was the first advocate. 
That's what they understood. But he's going to bring another advocate. And this time, unlike Jesus, who stayed for a few years and then left, he said, this one will never leave you. And in case they were wondering, verse number 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all the truth. The world cannot receive them. Listen, why? Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Do you know why a lot of Christians have trouble receiving him? Because they're not looking for him. And they don't recognize them. They, 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 they recognize the effects. Well, I just felt something. Well, something just came over me, but they don't know it's him. And so it's hard for them at first to say, wait a minute, you, we're actually talking about the person of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity? Yes, that, that's what you've been experiencing. In fact, look at what he says. He said, but you know him. And they could have been sitting there saying, no, we don't. How would we know him? We're just getting to know you for three years. How would we know him? We don't know him at all. And he says, but you know him because he lives with you right now. That caught their attention. But he went on, he said, and later he'll be in you. All right, here we go. Five insights. Won't take me very long. Stay with me on this. Number one, he said the Holy Spirit's an advocate. Now, you need to really hear this. Because some of you might have thought or heard somebody say, man, wouldn't it have been cool just to live back when Jesus was living? Just to be one of those disciples and they just followed him everywhere and, and whatever was going on, Jesus knew what to do. And whatever he encounters, like, that's okay, Jesus can handle this. And wouldn't that be great? Well, listen, that's exactly what an advocate, advocate is. It's the Greek word parakletos. And it actually means somebody who comes alongside of another person and he comes there to support or to assist in any way that's needed. Think, think today about a personal assistant. And so, you know, you see someone who's got a, a really weighty, responsible job, and they're walking around, and they're making decisions, and someone's walking around behind, and, and I'm, I'm not demoting Jesus or demoting the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying someone who follows you close, someone who's, who's intricately involved in what's happening in your life, and they're there to offer assistance, to offer support. That's exactly what this, what this word means. In fact, it's the same word that's translated in other New Testament passages, gospels, that are describing the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Well, that, that's what a personal assistant does, right? It, it, it brings you some confidence. It brings you some comfort. It describes, uh, in, in other passages, uses the same word to describe him as a counselor, to describe him as a helper, to describe him as a guide who comes to lead us in any situation in all the truth. That's what Jesus just said. And this is important that you understand because, listen, when you open your life up to the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come kind of leaping over the back of the church and just boom, like some WWE wrestler. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't slam you to the mat. He doesn't take over your life and control you and make you do things you don't want to do. You won't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Jesus said, no, 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 listen. When he comes in and you know it's him, the veil's away from your eyes, you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here because I didn't know what I was going to do because I was starting to feel completely overwhelmed. I'm so glad that you're here and you welcome counselors and comforters and people that you can trust, loyal friends and helpers. You welcome them. No, please come right in the middle. Sit down for a second. Let me just tell you everything that's going on. You don't hold anything back because you're completely secure. You're completely confident and relaxed. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. Listen, you don't need to be alarmed. When he comes, he's going to be the advocate, just like I've been. He's going to be one that's approachable, and then he's, he's engaged, man. He's on it because this is what he does. There's number two. The Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. And listen, listen, he didn't say that he's going to send you an advocate. He said another advocate. And that's a really important word. It comes from the Greek word alos, and it, it refers to one of the very same kind. So when the disciples heard that, they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But they were like, okay, well, if he's going to be just like Jesus, I mean, just like Jesus, we're, we're going to feel around him the same way we felt like we felt around Jesus. He's going to respond to us the same way Jesus responded to us. That would have brought them extreme comfort, even though they, they were kind of in the middle of fear and insecurity of what Jesus was announcing, they would have been completely comfortable. Listen to me, you should too. Now, here's the one that I like, the, 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 the next two I like the best. It says the Holy Spirit will stay forever. Here's number three. Jesus saying, listen, I know you didn't expect this, but I got to leave. 
I won't be around much longer, and the end is not going to be, you know, super easy to go through, but I have to leave. But listen, he's saying when the Holy Spirit comes, see what you're feeling right now? This, like, this trepidation, this insecurity, this fear. Yeah, once the Holy Spirit comes, you never have to feel that again. In any situation, you never have to wonder, what are we going to do? Well, no, you, you've got another advocate just like Jesus. And they never wondered what they were going to do when Jesus was there. Maybe at first, because they didn't understand, but when Jesus hit his stride, they're like, I don't know, ask Jesus. I don't know, let's just bring him to Jesus. They always knew he had the answer. And this is where the, the, the Bible wants us to begin to understand. You never have to feel insecure. You never have to feel like I'm all alone. You never have to feel like the problem's overwhelming and I don't have the answers. Well, maybe you don't, but your advocate does. And so it was a stabilizer for them. But listen to this. Here, here's the one that we're, some of you will begin to lean in. Number four, as Christians, the Holy Spirit will seem familiar. Now, this is a big eye-opener to a lot of Christians because Jesus said the world doesn't recognize him because they're not looking. And they, even if they saw him, they wouldn't know what that was because they weren't familiar with him. But Jesus turned to them and said, but you know him. If you're sitting in church and you, you, you've kind of come to church a few times, listen, you know, what, you know who the Holy Spirit is. I'll tell you why, because you've experienced him. Now, you might not have known that's who he was, but somewhere in the middle of a worship service or somewhere in the middle of a message or something, all of a sudden you, you experience something in you, an inspiration or a sense of peace settle over you. All of a sudden your heart begins to melt and your eyes start welling up with tears and you just feel it's a wonderful feeling, but it's confusing. You don't know what to do with that and you don't know why you feel this way. I'm telling you, you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if, if you think, well, yeah, but if I let him in deeper, it's going to be different. It, it'll be better. But it's not going to be different. And that's what he's trying to tell them. Don't freak out about this. Don't get weird about it. He said, you already know what this feels like. For three years, they walked with Jesus, who'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit. They'd seen him in every kind of setting, personal and extremely public, large, large settings, small little groups. Some were antagonistic. Some were devoted followers. But they watched Jesus the whole time, and they could feel and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in Jesus' life. And Jesus said, listen to me, he's familiar to you. You know exactly who this is. And that should, that should help to, to lower your fears and your concerns. And then he went on, he said, but listen to me, not only is, is he, has he been with you, but listen to me, he said, but he's going to be in you. If you'll open up to him, he's going to be in you. And here's number five, the relationship with the Holy Spirit is intimate. In fact, we could easily make a case that a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit is the most intimate connection available on the face of the earth. Nobody knows you like he does. Nobody. Why, why would you try to withhold something? Why would you try to make, you know, make yourself look better or think, well, I just don't want to say anything you know, until I finally get my act together and then I can finally... He's watching you. He knows you. He lives with you. For those of you that are born again, he's already in you. And so why, why would you just not be vulnerably free and say, well, you know the whole thing anyway, and you haven't left up to this point. By the way, Jesus promised you would never leave. I know I'm a mess. I know I'm all over the map, but listen to me. Nobody will treat you as good as the Holy Spirit will. Nobody will forgive you as thoroughly as the Holy Spirit will. Nobody will be loving and sensitive and encouraging like the Holy Spirit will be. I'm telling you, you might have a great relationship with your spouse or a wonderful relationship with your best friend, and we celebrate that. It's a reflection. It's a little flicker of, of, of a light compared to what the Holy Spirit would do because he created you in your mother's womb. He knows every little part about you. Why would we not just open ourselves up and vulnerably be free? and say, okay, come on, Holy Spirit, I'm not hiding anything else, nothing else. I need your help. I need you to empower my life. Come on, set me free from the inside. No more insecurity, no more carrying around past abuse, no more hurts and wounds, no more fears, no more of that stuff. You're with me and you know me already thoroughly and you're still here. And so I'm just gonna be vulnerable. Now, let me just tell you something. When you begin to move towards that, now that's freedom, that's freedom. When you can stand before your God and you're not ashamed, even though you know all of your weaknesses 
you're not ashamed and you're not feeling condemned, you know that when you stand there with all that stuff on you again, that he just comes and puts his arms around you like the father did to the prodigal son and said, come here, man, let's get you some new clothes. That's the Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus was saying, listen, you can't afford to live without him. He's the one who's going to keep drawing you in and convincing you and healing and restoring and over and over. And I promise you, the deeper we get into this study, your eyes are going to bug out. You're going to be like, are you kidding me? He really does that? He really feels like that? Yes. That's all the way through the Bible. If I'm telling the truth, if the Bible's real, this is rhetorical. Does that sound like somebody that you'd like to have in your life? That sound like somebody that you need in your life, the best friend you've always longed for and didn't know, someone you could tell anything and they would come and give you back just the honest, loving, straight scoop so they would help you move through. Everybody needs this in his life. And so here's what we're gonna do in just a moment. Uh, I'm gonna close in a prayer. But first, I want us to go back one more time. And now that we understand a little more about what this verse means, let's quote this verse together and let's say this prayer. And, let, and let, let's make this again. Don't let this be the one and only time that you did it here in church. But come on, let me, I'm encouraging you. Be spiritual about it. Let's begin to get this in our life and start praying this together. And as soon as we're done praying this prayer together, then I'm going to say a short little prayer. Uh, and then we'll end in worship like we always do. Once we end, listen, if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit is working to convince you, working to woo you back to him, let that be your personal altar with him. Some of you didn't come up for prayer earlier. I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to learn that this is powerfully biblical and some of you are missing opportunities every week where the God wants to move in your life and you're like, ah, I don't know, that's kind of weird. It's not, it's normal, but it's powerful. And so stand to your feet with me this morning and let's say this now with a little more conviction. Everybody look at the screen. This is our memory verse for the week or our key verse. Everybody read this together now. Here we go. For the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That sounded like you're just waking back up again, and I can appreciate that. You've been listening for a while. Let's read it one more time with a little more confidence, and let's get our, our minds engaged in this. Ready? For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All right, let's look at the next screen. This is a sample prayer. You don't have to write it down. But something like this is what we're going to pray all the way through the week, multiple times a day, and we're going to begin to believe God together. Here we go. Holy Spirit, I declare you as Lord and ask you to bring freedom to my life, to my family's life, and the life of my church. In Jesus' name, amen. Holy Spirit, let it be so. Everyone who spoke that with just a mustard seed of faith, respond to them. Move quick to them. Let it be so, Lord, as we go through this series beginning today. Let them begin to sense a deeper understanding of who you are and move powerful in their life, authenticating that Jesus is real. We trust you in all of this, Lord, and we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.